Today we're going to look at a topic that is equal parts comforting and confusing. We're going to consider prayer. More specifically, we're going to consider God's answers to prayer. Even more specifically, we're going to consider our questions about God's answers to our prayers. The topic we're considering today isn't mentioned in the narrative I'm about to read, but you can be certain it was on the minds of the believers who lived that narrative. The text describes what transpired on the heels of Stephen's death by stoning. It's found in Acts chapter 8, contained within the first five verses. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. As we're continuing our study of the book of Acts, I've entitled today's teaching, They Prayed for Stephen. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, in these coming moments, as always, I need fresh anointing from your Holy Spirit for the proclamation of your truth. And as always, we need fresh anointing from the Spirit that we might understand and apply that truth. So, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us, do a new thing in us today as a part of your continuing work in us. And we pray that for the honor of Christ, the sake of his people, and the welfare of a broken world. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And as we study God's word together today, may the Lord be with you. Jesus' activities often raise tough questions for his followers. And many of those questions involve prayer. And I want to make it clear at the outset that entertaining questions about prayer doesn't offend God. As Scripture clearly attests, asking questions of God is something even his most devoted followers do from time to time. It indicates we're paying attention. But where questions arise, caution must also arise. I say that because when God's answers stir up a whirlpool of confusion and emotion in our spirits, we are tempted to embrace one of two equally dangerous errors. I'm going to refer to them as fatalism and accusation. The first, fatalism, views God's sovereignty as a trump card that in effect renders our prayers largely irrelevant. Those who fall into the temptation of fatalism tend to say, well, God's got to do what God's got to do, so it really doesn't matter what I say in prayer. 
or it really doesn't matter if I pray. The second trap that we can fall into is the trap of accusation. We can accommodate Satan's lie that our sins have secured us a spot on God's do not call list. Those who fall to that temptation tend to say things like, well, I'm a mess, so God isn't going to hear me anyhow. Now, both of those assumptions are demonic in their origin. Both of them sound plausible because both of them contain just enough truth to lend some credibility to their false claims. Once embraced, both of them will hinder confident prayer. So instead of following the Pied Pipers of fatalism or accusation, I'd like to suggest we should follow the instruction of the Holy Spirit. Aware of this truth, that answers to prayer that confuse us are actually God's invitations to deeper understanding and devotion. That's the central premise of today's teaching, so I want you to read that with me, will you? Answers to prayer that confuse us are God's invitation to deeper understanding and devotion. I want to begin illustrating the reality of that by noting that where prayer's the issue, appearances are a vital factor. And I say that because questions surrounding God's answers to our prayers tend to arise from one of two sources. Some arise from the fact that it appears God didn't answer us, that he turned a deaf ear to us. Others arise from the fact of the answer it appears we received. But when it comes to answered prayer, appearances can be deceiving. And today's text is a case in point. An answer that appeared to be a devastating setback proved to ultimately be a divine setup. When we were in Acts two weeks ago, we witnessed Stephen's violent execution. Safe to assume that event shook the Jerusalem church to its core. They had come to expect aggressive opposition. This was not their first rodeo. But they hadn't come to expect the appearance of defeat because their previous skirmishes with evil had been tempered by successful outcomes, people coming to faith, often in great number, miracles, and dramatic answers to prayer, including the deliverance of the apostles from a locked-down prison. So when Stephen was hauled into court, I'm sure they prayed for Stephen. And I'm certain they prayed with confidence based on their past experiences. But Stephen wasn't spared. He died a brutal death. And I'm sure that brutal death caught them off guard. Like unwanted house guests, confusing questions moved in where previously comforting answers 
had dwelled all alone. The Jerusalem church was forced to rethink their previous ideas of prayer, to re-examine their confidence in prayer. And I'm sure they struggled with that whole process because they were like us. And we don't relish mystery, and we don't enjoy reconsidering things we thought we'd already figured out. We like certainty. We like predictability. We like formulas with guarantees. We like spiritual cruise control. But following God (coughs) always involves mystery. And growth in grace always demands ongoing reconsideration of previous conclusions. Where prayer is concerned, if we aren't willing to say, upon further review, the ruling is changed, we're going to miss the mark and we're going to struggle unnecessarily. The Jerusalem church was about to discover something every Jesus follower must accept. Something that will help us avoid some questions and successfully navigate others. They were about to learn that past answers to prayer don't determine future answers. God does what's best today, not what was best yesterday. Where prayer is concerned, God limits his repeat performances. Past is a safe predictor of his character. Past is a safe predictor of his faithfulness. But past is not a safe predictor of his future answers to prayer. The events immediately following Stephen's death revealed much about why God had permitted that death. As they watched those events unfold, the Jerusalem church learned that God's always up to more than we know, and he's doing it differently than we would expect. He's always up to more than we know, and he's doing it differently than we would expect. God accomplished two key objectives in allowing Stephen's death. And they're revealed in our text. For those who have eyes to see. First of all, the persecution that was unleashed as an aftermath of Stephen's death thrust the church out of Jerusalem and out into the world. Jesus had told them repeatedly that they were to go to every people group, every ethnic group with his liberating message. But as long as church life in Jerusalem was good, as long as it was loving community, where no one had need, where generosity was the rule of the day, and where one miracle after another unfolded, nobody was inclined to leave. Everybody wants to be where the action is. And the action was in Jerusalem. But persecution proved to be God's catalyst that helped them discover the incredible action that was awaiting them elsewhere. 
it made faith in Jesus universal, just as he had always intended. It even led Philip <coughs> to go to the hated, shunned, mistrusted Samaritans. The Jerusalem church prayed for Stephen, but Stephen died because God was up to something bigger than just Jerusalem. The next time you're confused by an answer you've received, remember, prayer isn't just about us. It's about lost people. God's answers are often his means of moving us out in mission. And I suspect we rarely think about our prayer requests in light of that truth that God's answers are often his way of moving us out in mission. God's second objective that was facilitated by Stephen's death was the conversion of a man who would become his foremost missionary spokesman. The day Stephen died, Saul took satisfaction in Stephen's execution. You'll remember he held the coats of those who were stoning Stephen. But his subsequent behavior made it clear he walked away from Stephen's execution a troubled, troubled man. Stephen's conduct had gotten the best of him. It had exposed a chink in Saul's armor. After all, if Stephen was the misguided blasphemer Saul assumed he was, how was it that he died with such courage, such incredible confidence, such amazing grace, and every evidence of peace? How was it that he prayed for his murderers? Seeing all that, Saul's certainty gave way to disconcerting doubt. And like many before and many since, he responded to his doubts with anger. Anger is a common reaction when we sense God is about to rock our world, when we sense God's about to challenge our status quo, and God was about to rock Saul's world. On the way to Damascus, he was transformed into Paul the missionary. So God's answer to the prayers for Stephen remind us that the goal of prayer isn't merely our self-preservation. It's God's work in others. Now, that being said, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. God's agenda for our prayers most certainly include us, but not in the way we're generally inclined to think. God knows our fulfillment will ultimately be found in service to him and to a broken humanity. So he takes that into consideration when he answers our appeals. Now, I doubt you've rather thought of it in this way, but the truth is, God's answers to prayer protect us from ourselves and lead us toward our destiny. 
I want you to think of God's answers to prayer as mid-course corrections rather than dead ends. God's answers, when they don't align perfectly with our requests, are God's way of exposing how and where we've been damaged by sin and the fall and showing us the extent of that damage. God's answers remind us that if all of our prayers were answered in the same manner that they were offered up, we would change the world to our liking rather than allowing God to change us. And if we change the world to our liking, some have suggested it would soon prove to be hell on earth. So in light of that fact, if you understand prayer, you won't expect Jesus to restore you by protecting everything you're afraid of losing. Many of our prayers are motivated by the fear of loss, but there are some things we need to lose because some of those things are substitutes for God himself. And they aren't worth protecting. They will never serve us well. They will never bring satisfaction to our souls. When God answers your prayers, he will never protect your misplaced confidence in idols that cannot see, cannot hear, and cannot save. Instead, he watches as we race down dead end streets. He lets our infatuation du jour crash and burn. He delays when we're hurting and denies when we ask because he needs to convince us we're heading down the wrong path. So even though there are times when his answers feel like betrayals, there are actually his love in action. When God answers our prayers, he wants to remind us through the answer that having Jesus as our Savior means that Jesus is our only hope of receiving what we actually need. Jesus is not our only hope of receiving what we want. Do you hear the difference? He's our only hope for receiving what we need. He's not our only hope for receiving what we want. Those realities shape God's answers and should also shape our response to those answers. Look, we're all inclined to use prayer to advance our own interests and protect our own interests. I get that. We're all inclined to pray in a way that ensures our own comfort, sometimes rather than God's interests. But God's interests include our restoration, our recovery, our holiness. But they aren't limited to that. God's interest is the entire world. And we're prone to forget that prayer has profound implications for others. Others who, like us, hunger for meaning and purpose and hope. 
And that's why the answers we receive aren't always identical to the requests we make. So in the book of Acts, we read that they prayed for Stephen. But Stephen died. Because God doesn't always answer the prayers we voice. God answers the prayers we ought to have made. He answers the prayers we ought to have made. And I would remind you those prayers are offered up in a way that we cannot hear through the Holy Spirit within us. You see, that answer to prayer that didn't seem to align with your request, your intent, your desire, your wishes, perfectly aligned with the intent and the desires of the Holy Spirit who prays silently from within you. When you don't understand God's answer to your prayer, I'd like to suggest that you remember the prayer that God answered may not have been yours. It may have been the prayer of the Holy Spirit in you. God answers the prayers we ought to have made because God hears more than what we say. God understands more than what we understand. God is up to more than what we recognize. God answers more than we ask. And God gives more than we can imagine. So they prayed for Stephen. And God answered perfectly. And any appearance to the contrary soon proved to be a myth. Would you join your hearts with me in prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, we all struggle to understand why you answer our prayers the way you do. Why sometimes it seems like our prayers go unanswered. Why other times it feels like we receive the exact opposite of what we requested. Lord, we struggle to understand your answers. But I pray the simple but clear principles that we have lifted out of Stephen's story would help us to check our doubts and set a boundary around our questions. Help us, O oh God, to remember that you are up to more than what is happening in our life alone. That you have called us to be a blessing to others. That your agenda is bigger than our agenda. That you're up to more than what we can know. And that you're going about it differently than what we would expect. Help us to remember that given the choice of answering our misguided requests, or the appropriate request of the Spirit within us, you will always opt for the Spirit because you love us. 
So, Father, help us to develop a greater maturity in prayer. Rather than being shaken by an answer different than what we expected, let those answers drive us back upon your agenda, your faithfulness, and the discerning of the Holy Spirit. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.